Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We've been studying on the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And right now we're in the Sermon on the Mount. We began a couple sessions ago in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to finish out that chapter today. And I have entitled these series of messages or these sessions, uh, teaching sessions, radio sessions, I've entitled them The Law and Christ. And the reason why uh, I have titled it this way is we are taking, and rather what Jesus did and Matthew recorded, he took the law of Moses and uh, he differentiated the law of Moses with his law. In other words, uh, he took the law of Moses and made it uh, something much, much deeper than the Old Testament saints uh, had realized. The law of Moses had became a duty, something that people would keep on the outside. It's like uh, when you join a church, uh, you're not, you know, well, let's, let's say it this way. If a person joins a church and that person is not really born again, uh, he's welcomed into the church. He goes ahead and he's christened and he's baptized and uh, he's considered a member in good standing as long as he pays his tithes and he comes once in a while. But he really doesn't know or have an inward experience with Christ as Savior and Lord. In other words, he's not born again. Uh, he's keeping, as far as the church is concerned, uh, he's keeping the law of the church, but he's not keeping the law of Christ. Amen. And so this is what the Jews uh, in the time of the Lord Jesus, they were keeping the law of Moses, but they were not keeping the inner law. You know, they they were very, very particular when it came to the tithes of uh, of spices and things of that nature. But they had no way to keep faithfully uh, the, the true laws of mercy and justice. And so this Sermon on the Mount really is a comparison. And it shows us the difference between living under the Old Testament, which is the law of Moses, and living in and under, uh, we'll say it both, living in and under the law of Christ. Amen. So uh, Jesus has a lot to say about about this, about the the law of Moses and the keeping of the law in our heart, which can only be done through the the new birth. Amen. It can't be done through church membership. It can't be done through um, trying to, as a duty, trying to keep law, trying to be a good person, things of that nature. Uh, if we try to do that, Sooner or later, we're going to fail and we're going to fall. Amen. Actually, let me say it this way. We're going to fail because we are fallen. Amen. We need a Redeemer, and that Redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is a comparison. We've been going through Matthew chapter 5, and it is a comparison between the law of Moses, which actually the law of Moses governed the outward man, uh, the mind, the will, the emotions, and the physical body. But now Jesus is talking about not the law of Moses. He's he's making the law of Moses something deeper. Uh, and, and I call that the law of Christ. In other words, the law of Christ governs the whole man, governs the spirit, the soul and the body and and your spirit. See, that's the center part of your being. 
And that is the, the spirit is what God has given to you, created you so that you can govern your mind, your will and your emotions and your physical body. Amen. So uh, in order for the, our spirit to do that, we've got to have the power and the authority uh, to be able to govern our outer man. And uh, so what the law of Moses could not do because it was weakened through man's sinful nature, God enabled, God did and he enabled through sending the Lord Jesus Christ, becoming an offering for our sin, and by rendering this sin nature that was in us powerless, amen, to overcome us and to govern our lives. So now it's the spirit of Christ that governs us and not the spirit of this world. So what man couldn't do before Christ and his offering, now he's enabled to do through faith in Christ. Amen. And what we're talking about here is we're talking about uh, the new birth, praise God, which is very, very important. If you're not born again, then you don't know God. You may know a lot about him. I mean, there's many men behind the pulpit. There's many professors in, in seminaries they know a lot about Christ, but they really don't know him. And how do I know that? Well, I read a lot of commentaries and I can tell that uh, a lot of the commentators that I have read after, they have a lot of head knowledge. They've been to school and seminary. They've taken a lot of classes, but they really don't have a knowledge, a revealed knowledge of Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. If they did, then they wouldn't come up with some of the craziest ideas concerning uh, the scriptures. Um, we just have to know that by ourselves. We have to dig into the into the scriptures. We have to rely upon the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have to study the scriptures, study your study uh, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that requires a lot of time and a lot of effort, praise God. But it is very, very rewarding. Amen. So, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, look at it as the law of Christ. Amen. Which is the law of love. Praise God. So what man was unable to do through the law of Moses because of our disobedience. Did you keep did you keep the Ten Commandments when you were when you were a sinner? Absolutely not. I remember uh, when I was a young man, we joined, my, my mother had us join the Baptist church. And I, the, I signed a membership card in the following day. I mean, following week, I was baptized in water. And I tried to live by the Ten Commandments. The only problem was, even though I was baptized in water, I was not born again. Amen. I did not have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I was not a changed person. And the more I tried to keep the Ten Commandments, the more I broke the Ten Commandments. So we are powerless as sinners to live up to the standards of God, the standards of holiness that God expects us to live by. We're unable to do that. But through Christ, we can do that because he's the one that gives us the power to do it. So as we look through the Sermon on the Mount and we understand that it is uh, the law of Christ, Amen. And that uh, uh, we could not, we cannot keep the law of Christ 
because of obedience. But once we come under the Lordship and Saviorship of the Lord Jesus Christ and we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, then we can bring forth fruit unto God. Amen. Praise God. And of course, Paul tells us that in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through seven. Uh, You need to read that sometime today. So this is what I want us to commit to. Number one, I want us to commit to study the Sermon on the Mount so that we will know what Christ expects of us. See, this is the edict of the king. And if we're under the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ, he expects us to live by his teaching and by his commands. Praise God. So we are to study the Sermon on the Mount. We are to know what Christ expects of us. And we are to go ahead and do that. Be obedient to that. Amen. And the second thing we consecrate ourselves to do is that we are going to pray, consecrate ourselves to pray over the Sermon on the Mount, to make what Christ teaches us in these five, six, and seventh chapters of Matthew becomes a part of us. Because this is what Peter wrote many, many, many years ago. He says, for if these things be in you and abound, notice that, be in you and abound, they make you that you will never be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. That is such good, good teaching from the word of God. Amen. Praise God. So we want to back up for just a few, just a moment or two. We want to back up. Uh, to verse 29, chapter 5, verse 29. We covered this in the last session, but let's back up here and let's read some things that Jesus said concerning holiness. Now, why am I talking about holiness? Because if we're born again, we have been created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, righteousness and true holiness is not how we wear our hair. It's not how we dress. Amen. These things we should do for the glory of God. Amen. Hallelujah. But it's holiness now. True holiness is the beauty of the inner self, that which emanates from inside out towards us. Amen. So uh, Christ gives us the power to live a godly life. But notice what Jesus says now. But before we read this, let's just go ahead and pray just for a moment. Father, we lift up Uh, this teaching, this session before you in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come into this session powerfully and give us words. Give us a word from heaven, Lord, and we'll praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Notice verse 29. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is profitable for you that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So what is Jesus talking about? He's talking about putting out your eye or cutting off your hand. No, he's not talking about that. He's not talking about mutilating the body. He's given us an example that it's more important. Amen. For the flesh to suffer than the spirit to be left vacant without the presence of God in it. Amen. And so we look at this another way. It is more important for us to live out of our inner man than it is to live by our outer man. Praise God. Now, you have a body. I have a body and we and a body is necessary in this world. 
We need a body to carry us to certain places, to the bank, to the grocery store, to work, to and from, amen, trips that we take. And we need our body to uh, perform functions that are necessary to be performed in this life. I am a homeowner. I need to take care of my home. I need to cut my grass. I need to do repairs and things of that nature. Well, I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have a body. Amen. But we are to keep under our body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when we have ministered to others, we ourselves should be castaways or set on the sideline. I don't want that. And I know you don't want that either. You don't want Christ to take you out of this game. (laughs) Amen. If you want to call it a game, the game of life. Amen. The ministry. You don't want Christ to take us out of the ministry and set us aside. Because we have we have been disapproved. No, we want to stay in the fight. Praise God. We want to stay in this in this game. We want to win. We want to beat the devil. We want to overcome. Praise God. And we're going to do that. Amen. If we live by our inner man and not our outer man. And so basically what uh, Jesus is teaching, he's teaching us to live by the inner man and not to live solely by the outer man. Now, I've heard people say, you know, you strike, you hit me on one side, I'm going to knock your block off. Jesus said, if somebody slaps you on the left side, you turn to him the other also. Sinners can't do that. Amen. Carnal believers can't do that. I mean, they're going to knock your block off. But yet this is what the Lord Jesus requires of us. He expects us to live in the manner that he has prescribed. And how do we do that? Well, we've got to live by the inner man. Amen. We've got to live by the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We've got to develop and bear the fruit of God, of patience and of long suffering and of kindness and meekness and gentleness. Praise God. Self-control. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do it through the power of Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit that's been given unto us. Amen. Remember this. Remember this today. The whole Godhead lives on the inside of you if you are a born again child of God. God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Ghost, all living in you. They have taken the throne of your heart. They have paralyzed the devil, kicked him off the throne. They have seized the throne. They've made a brand new throne. They destroyed the throne of the devil in your life. Praise God. They're not sitting in the devil's throne. All that's been destroyed. Praise God. They have set up their throne in your heart. And they expect you, they expect you to honor the king. And how do you honor him? Well, you honor him through righteousness You honor him through true holiness, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So we're not to allow uh, the world, the flesh, or the devil to dictate to us how we're going to live. Absolutely not. We're going to live by, amen, the word of God. We're going to live by the spirit of Christ. Amen. Praise God. All right. So let's begin. We left off at verse 33. And this section here, we're talking about forswearing oaths making oaths that are just empty things. Amen. Like, you know, somebody's telling a tall tale and he says, I swear to God, this is the truth. No, we are not to do that. We are to live our lives in truth. And all we have to do, we are to live our lives in such a way that all we have to do is speak and people know that we're speaking the truth. Praise God. Amen. We don't have to, we don't have to justify 
empty words that are coming out of our mouths to try to manipulate people into believing what we're saying is true. We see too much of that in the world today. You know, God condemns that. The Lord Jesus condemns that kind of behavior. All right, verse 33. Again, you have heard that it has been said of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto Lord unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say to you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yes, yes, no, no, for whatsoever is more than these comes of evil. In other words, you should be such an upright person that when you say yes, people know you mean yes. And when you say no, you mean people uh, know you mean no. In other words, you're not going to give false testimony. You're not going to swear on a Bible and say this is the truth and then lie out of your mouth. You're just not going to do it. If you do, if people do, then that just communicates uh, to others that they really don't know God. They may call themselves a believer, but they're not. Amen. You are supposed you and I are supposed to live our Christian faith in word now in word and in deed. Amen. So there are many false vows that are made with an oath. So help me God. You know, we say that all the time, you know, when we're getting before the witness stand. You know, I swear before Almighty God to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. And then somebody get on the stand and lie like a rug. Uh, That's not Christianity. Amen. That's false swearing. That's false oath. So, you know, they do these things to try to add some type of surety that what they're saying is the truth. But Jesus said, don't you do that. Don't you do that. We should live our life in such a way that people know that we're we're men and women of the truth. That's how we live. Circumspectly. Notice that. Circumspectly. We are to live circumspectly. And if we say something that is not right, we correct it. And if we do something that is not right, either by a, a word or something like that, then we correct it. We keep our mouth shut. Amen. The psalmist tells us that we swear to our own hurt, but yet we change not. If we say we're going to do something, then we do it. And if we can't do it, if something happens and we can't do it, then we go to that person that we've sworn an oath to and ask him to get us out of. And if he is not going to release us, then we have to go ahead and do it. And I don't care how many people. Get hurt. I don't care how many people get angry at us. It's just something that has to be done. And if you can't get out of it, if something is is required of you and you have to do it, which means you have to break an oath with somebody else and they don't like it, they get mad. Well, then you just got to give that to the Lord. Amen. Uh, That was not your fault. But this is how we live. We live to please God. Amen. All right, and then the last 10 verses, I've entitled these last 10 verses to love your enemies. Now, let's be honest. We're going to have to have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to love some people. (laughs) Amen. Verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, 
Do not resist him who is evil, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to him the other also. How are you going to be able to feel that being a natural man? You can't do it. So what, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying under the law of Moses or under natural law, you're not going to be able, you and I will not be able to fulfill the law of Christ. It takes something greater, like a new birth, like being made a new creature in Christ Jesus, praise God. Amen. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was Old Testament law. That The whole reason that law, that God placed that law into the hands of Moses to give to the people of Israel was to constrain evil. But notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, don't resist him who is evil. Well, how in the world are you going to be able to do that? When somebody comes to you, amen, and they do something evil to you, you don't reward him by doing the same thing back to him. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Yeah, and it does mean that there are times where we have to suffer suffer evil men and evil deeds. But didn't that didn't Jesus demonstrate suffering evil men and evil deeds? And he did it in such a way that he pleased God? Who would you rather please? Would you rather please your own flesh? Or would you rather please God? Now, I know I know there's times you and I are going to have to defend ourselves. There are times we're going to have to defend our home. We're going to have to defend our family. We're going to have to defend our, our ourselves. Amen. This is not at all what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about suffering evil and not in revenge seeking uh, to do what other people did to us to do it um, to do it back to them amen hallelujah and that's exactly what jesus is talking about once again do not resist him who's evil uh, the word resist there means to stand against talking about evil men or talking about evil deeds so if an evil man does something to you you don't turn around and do evil to him if somebody does an evil deed towards you, you don't turn around and do an evil deed towards him. You don't seek revenge. You don't do it out of your flesh. Now, you, you do need to stand up for what's right. If people are doing things that are wrong, you need to address it. Absolutely. But we're talking about a heart issue. We're not talking about justice. We're talking about a heart issue of rendering evil for evil. We are not to do that. We are not to render evil for evil. Jesus didn't resist the cross. As a matter of fact, while he was hanging on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Should we be any different? I don't think so. Well, how can I be like that? Well, you have the spirit of God on the inside of you. I do, too. We have the spirit of love on the inside of us. And there are times we're just going to have to turn around and walk away. There are times we're just going to have to keep our mouth shut. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I know from by experience, there's times where I have kept my mouth shut. Amen. And I had to walk away and until I got my emotions under control. But then there's times I opened up my mouth and boy, when I did, out came this whole train. We're talking about all the, the train, including the caboose. And then after that, 
And after I calmed down, then I'd have to go apologize. And so it's better just to keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 40 says, and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. In other words, what Jesus is talking about here, if you've if you violated something and somebody sues you. You be be willing to comply. Now, he's not talking about somebody suing you. Amen. To trap all because he's lied and he's trying to take something away from you. No, if you've done nothing wrong, you have a right to defend yourself. Verse 41 says, and whoever shall force you to go one mile, go with him too. And Jesus here is talking about the Roman soldier that grabs you. Say, for instance, you were a Jew living in the days of the Roman Empire and forced you or commandeered your 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 donkey or your mule to carry his pack. And he was going a mile in the distance. Jesus says, now, if you're going to obey the law of Christ, you go with him two miles. In other words, you always do more in honoring God and in honoring his word and walking in love than what is required. You see, and the Jew would would walk that mile, but he'd be cussing all the way. I mean, hate would just be filled up for that Roman. Well, hate never solved anything. As a matter of fact, what hate does is that it kills you. Hate kills you before it kills the person that you hate. And so when Jesus said, if anyone wants to sue you, he's talking about a lawful exercise. You know, if anyone forces you, well, be willing to do it in a spirit of meekness. Be able to to minister in such a way to do it in a spirit of meekness. Praise God. You're not leaving yourself open to the devil when you do that. There's a standard here. And Christ is telling us to keep this standard. And if we do that, then he'll back us up. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 42 says, give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Now, the word ask here is the Greek word dos. And it means to give or it means to deliver up. Now, Jesus is saying that we're not to refuse someone who's asking and begging for something when we have the means to do it. In other words, we help to meet that need. Praise God. Amen. And churches do that all the time. If somebody comes to them with a need, if they can't help them immediately, they'll find somebody who will. See, that's a godly way to do that. That's the law of Christ. Praise God. And then verse 43, uh, Jesus says this. You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Now, we love, I live down here in the Gulf Course, and we have hurricanes all the time. Well, that hurricane is blowing down the houses of the righteous as well as the unrighteous. Amen. It causes the rain comes, the sun comes. Why? Because God's a benevolent God. He loves all people. But he'll minister to his children in a way that he'll not be able to minister to the sinner. And that when God does that, it's supposed to be a witness to the sinner that, yes, you know, there is a God. (laughs) Amen. Of course, we know that. 
Verse 46, we'll finish this out. For if you love those who love it, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same. And if you greet your brothers only, what do you more than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. See, this is a great fault in Christians. You know, we like to fellowship with other Christians, salute other Christians as sinners we just leave alone. We're not to do that. Amen. Therefore, this is closing out verse 48. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, let me ask you this question. Were you perfect when you were under the law of Moses? Just a church member? No, you broke that law all the time. Much of the time you didn't even realize you'd broken it, but you had. But what happened when you became you and I became born again? Well, we found out that we could keep the law of Moses because God placed that law in our hearts and magnified it via the Sermon on the Mount. See, the word perfect here comes from the Greek word teleos, and it means to be complete. We are complete when we come to Christ and we get born again and the Holy Spirit moves on the inside of us. We come what the Bible says is complete. There's not a greater work that God has to do in us than to make us new creatures in Christ Jesus. Now he adds upon the new creature the infilling of the Holy Spirit and spiritual maturity. All these things we we come to. But the, the fact of the matter is that when Jesus saves us and we become new creatures in Christ Jesus, we have been made complete just as the heavenly father is complete. And I tell you what, that is shouting ground. Praise God. Amen. Well, our time is gone. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask we open up our hearts. Father, receive. We, we ask you, Lord, to plant this word in our heart. We receive it now with all readiness of mind and we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.